What's up, everybody? This is Reverend Peter Watts of the Black Church Still Speaks podcast. And on our show today, I'm excited because we're getting ready to talk to the General Secretary of the Oldest Protestant Denomination in North America in the RCA. Uh, and his name is Reverend Eddie Alleman. I am excited to talk to him about the black church within the context of the RCA. And this is coming off of the heels of General Senate that has just finished last week. And so let's get prepared to hear our General Secretary in the RCA, Eddie Ottoman, uh, talk about his reflections on the black church and its impact uh, it has made and the vision for what he sees uh, the black church in the AABC in particular within the RCA, the impact that it can make and contribute to this denomination. Let's tap in to the black church still speaks with Reverend Eddie Ottoman. Thank you so much for joining me for uh, this podcast uh, today. Uh, we have with us our General Secretary, Reverend Eddie Ottoman, and we are uh, happy to have him here with us to talk about uh, the Black Church uh, in the RCA. Welcome, Eddie, and thank you. Thank you so much for uh, for inviting me to this uh, to this conversation. I, I I really appreciate the opportunity to to talk about about the ministry and mission of the of the of the African American Church in in the context of the RCA and also in the context of of the North North America. So so thank you for for this invitation. Absolutely, absolutely. And so uh, there are many people who know who you are uh, that uh, are listening to this podcast uh, right now. But then there are those that are listening to the podcast that may not know uh, anything about you. And so uh, why don't you just uh, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your ministry and how you got uh, to the place of being uh, the general secretary of the oldest Protestant denomination in North America? Thank you, Pete. Well, my name is, as you said, Eddie Aleman. I I was born in Central America, so I was born in Nicaragua. I moved to Canada about uh, was 1987, so it's about 30, what, 35 years ago. Um, did ministry in Canada, you know, met Jesus in Canada, actually. You know, I came as a, as a teenager. And uh, my family were like uh, uh, a nominal Roman Catholic uh, family. So, so actually, if you were to ask my dad or my mom about their faith, they, they will say that they are Roman Catholic. But, mm-hmm. but in all honesty, I, I don't remember going to church as a kid. Yeah. I don't remember, you know, reading the Bible as a family. I don't remember, you know, praying or giving thanks to God for the meals as a family. So so we were actually, you know, a nominal Roman Catholics, um, uh, no faith. You know, we did not read the Bible. So when I came to Canada back in 1987, I, I met Jesus. You know, my brother was attending a, a church, a Christian, mostly a Pentecostal church, and that's where I met Jesus. I was baptized and did, did uh, my initial ministries in the Reformed Church in Canada. So, um, yeah, I did ministry also in California as a church planter, you know, went to seminary and uh, and actually, you know, I I I am a pastor by by heart. Um, so did ministry in in California in the Central Valley in Fresno, 
uh, five years in Fresno, five years in LA. So we were neighbors sometime, Pete, you know. When, that's right. That's right. I was there from 20, let me see, to 20, 2009 to 2014. I was a pastor at Emmanuel Reform. I, one of the pastors, I, my, my focus was uh, church planting and, uh, and Hispanic ministries. That's what I did. Mm-hmm. 2014, I I was invited to to join uh, denominational staff to do two things. One was to go to lead the leadership development processes for the Reformed Church, and also uh, to lead the Hispanic ministries of the Reformed Church. So I did that for you know from 2014 until 2018 when I was uh, called to to be the general secretary. So I have been, I have been in my current position for three and a half, a little more than three and a half years. Okay. Uh, I started July 1, 2018, and uh, it's been, it's been, it's been quite a journey for me. I have learned a lot of things and continue to learn. Yeah, yeah, that's an incredible uh, story and journey uh, of leadership uh, as you continue to grow uh, in your. Uh, faith and even growing your leadership uh, development skills. And so it's taking you all the way to, yeah, the position of general secretary. And that's an, an, an incredible uh, story. And so when um, when we're talking about uh, the black church um, within the context of the RCA uh, uh, right now, um, a lot of times uh, you said you've been you've been you've been um, leading for almost three and a half years. and in your leadership, I know there's been a lot of changes. Um, And a lot of times you get an opportunity to speak, you give uh, what we call a state of the state. Uh, And so today, uh, can you just give a brief state of the state of the RCA for for those that might be listening, like it may never have um, uh, uh, tapped in or or just, you know, want to stay updated uh, as of today, the state of the state of the RCA um, and where we're moving. Uh, as yeah. a denomination, I think it's a great opportunity uh, to express that. Yeah, no, thank, thank you, Pete. You know, I, um, you know, like, like uh, the Reformed Church in America, you know, is, uh, is, is um, we are almost four hundred years old. So, mm-hmm. so we are the oldest Protestant denomination in North America. Mm-hmm. So we're older than the United States of America. So. You know, our first yeah. church was, was started in 1628. So we go back all the way to 1628. Mm-hmm. So as you as you can imagine, and you know the context of the of the of the North American church, you know, in the last, you know, last couple of decades, you know, mm-hmm. about about the mainline church. So the, the reformed church is going through that process also. Yeah, trying to renew, to really re, uh, refocus the work on mission, refocus the work on ministry. So I can say that uh, you know the last three years since I started, you know, I, I would say maybe maybe more than that, even before mm-hmm. before 2018, uh, uh, the Reformed Church in America has been going through some change and difficult conversations, and like like many. Like many Protestant denominations in North America, we are going through some some challenging conversations. Also, yeah, you know there are some things that we that we are dealing with uh, right now. The the you know the impact of you know of of you know of the church. You know the the, the impact the church needs to make in the in the twenty first century. Mm-hmm. You know the question of 
you know, dealing with, uh, uh, um, you know, the homosexuality, uh, mm-hmm. dealing with uh, a ministry and all that. So, so that has been, uh, that has been, you know, in the last, you know, couple of decades, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's a difficult, difficult conversations. Uh, but also, you know, the, the reality is not only the difficult one, you know, also including, you know, the, 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 the fact that we continue to deal with a global pandemic mm-hmm. that, that also makes it difficult for mission and ministry. But at the same time, we're seeing, we're seeing God at work. Yeah. And, uh, and one of the one of the changes that we're seeing uh, today, and this is this is really closely related to our conversation this morning, is that the Reformed Church in America uh, is becoming more and more multi-ethnic. Yeah, and yeah. That's, that's a beautiful thing. So, so besides all of the besides all of the difficult conversations of of ministry in the North American context right now. Uh, the 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 one of the biggest changes that that we're seeing in the in the RCA is that that we are more intentionally becoming multi ethnic. So so the the equipping and the support and the empowerment of our racial ethnic leaders, I think, is crucial. You know, I yeah. you know I've been a, a racial ethnic leader myself. Uh, this is uh, this is a really really important uh, a process for me to support and and to empower our racial ethnic leaders. You know the the, the mm-hmm. you know African American leaders, our Latino leaders, our Asian leaders, mm-hmm. and, uh, and Native American ministries. So so we 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 are becoming more and more multi ethnic. You know our, our background is Dutch, yeah. so we're, we're known by the Dutch Reformed Church. And, uh, and we have been Dutch for a long time, we, and, and it's beautiful. It's great, you know. They, our, our Dutch brothers and sisters, you know, came to North America and started the work of the Reformed Church. And now, uh, uh, in the 21st century, you know, uh, we are reflecting the reality of the North American context. Mm-hmm. Uh, having myself, you know, as a Latino leading this denomination, and uh, and working more intentionally. Uh, to support the 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 racial ethnic leaders, I think that's 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 the biggest change yeah. that we that we are that will be seeing that we're seeing in in the Reformed Church. Yeah, and that leads me to my next question about the future of the Black Church uh, in. Uh, the AABC with our in in the RCA uh, itself, and uh, you know I came on as a coordinator for the uh, African American Black Council. Um, it's probably going to be two years now. Time flies, and um, and I know being a part of the AABC as a as a pastor and church planter and planting my church uh, here in LA um, as part of the AABC, uh, the work uh, that it takes to to do that. Uh, kind of work um, and uh, the leadership uh, that it takes to uh, lead uh, our uh, African-American black churches uh, within the uh, ABC. And so when I think about, or when you think about the future um, and the future possibilities of the black church within the RCA, um, give you a data point. We have about 35 churches right now uh, that are part of the ABC. And most of these churches um, are uh, churches that are older um, and some of the churches don't have pastors. And so uh, when I came into the role, my first thought was collect data, talk to the people and find out where the uh, challenges are, where they need help the most. Uh, And what I uh, discovered was that if 
the ABC doesn't um, uh, grow younger um, and start and strengthen more churches, uh, that 35 could, could quickly turn to zero in the next 10 years. And so when you think about the the, the work that you're doing uh, as a general secretary and in the changes that are happening within the RCA, uh, becoming more uh, 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 led by more people, uh, race, racial ethnic people, uh, can you kind of tell me uh, how you envision a future uh, uh, of the ABC within the RCA uh, with churches, strengthening churches and planting new churches? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Pete. When you, when you came on board a couple of years ago, you know, um, uh, I I I knew that you were stepping in in you know um, you know in uh, to 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 really help us to to really help us to envision a different future for the for for the black church you know I mm-hmm. uh, as you said you know the the AABC uh, has been part of the RCA for for years since I I think you know the Hispanic Council was established in 1974. Mm-hmm. I think the ABC was a little before that. I'm not. I'm not right. 100 sure. Yeah, in, uh, the, in the 60s. In the 60s, <clears> late <throat> 60s, I, I think, because I, I know that Hispanic was in the mid 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 70s. Mm-hmm. So, so the it, it is. It is. You know. You know. M- my hope is to is to see our younger generation really being involved in 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 leadership. We need mm-hmm. to empower the younger generation for leadership. And uh, and, and, and my hope uh, is that uh, we will have African-American leaders, you know, pastors and leaders leading multi-ethnic churches. Mm -hmm. I I don't see, you know, the the black church just being the black church. Mm -hmm. I see see a a little more than that. I see multi-ethnic, you know, the, the representation of uh, Revelation seven, you know, when when you see people from every nation, tongue, worshiping the Lamb, and mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and and my dream, my hope, and the work that we're doing uh, is to to equip uh, the younger generation because you're right. If we if we don't do that now, in the next in the next ten years, things will be will be way way you know will be bad you mm-hmm. know for for the church for the for the for the you know, for the black church in, in the reformed church. So, so, so my, my dream and my hope is to empower the younger generation to take leadership yeah. and, and to, and to help, you know, the, the church to, to really see the, the need and the importance of having those, those uh, Gen C and those younger, you know, the Gen yeah. C uh, uh, to take, to take leadership in, you know, uh, for the future. Uh, just an example, I uh, when, when in my previous role, when I was the director for leadership development, I did a, a learning community, you know, for leadership with uh, uh, several uh, African American churches in the Reformed Church, mm-hmm. and uh, and and for the RCA, uh, New York City and 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 the New York area is where most of our of our black churches are and black mm-hmm. leaders. So. So I, I organize a, a, a leadership development learning community for ABC churches in New York City, mm-hmm. and uh, and I invited about seven or eight of our African American churches to to go through that process, you know, with me, yeah. and uh, and we had a really good time uh, connecting and meeting with them. But 
one day in one of the meetings, uh, there was a there was a young a young lady. She was uh, about 19 years old. She came with her grandma uh, to that to that event, and we had a wonderful conversation with her uh, about you know the importance of inviting the younger generation to take leadership you know, for the church. And it was a really beautiful opportunity to, to have a conversation with her, you know, in the midst of the all of the seven churches together. Yeah. And, and I wanted the leaders to hear what this young person needed to say. And it was great. And it yeah. was great. I asked them for permission. I said, you know, would you give me permission to allow this young person to say the things that she needs to say? Mm-hmm. And it was so great that she named uh, the need of uh, of being, being empowered. So mm-hmm. she talked about, you know, I, I really want to be empowered to lead a, a Sunday school class, mm-hmm. you know, um, and uh, because, you know, every culture is different. Right. And, and in some cultures, sometimes, you know, uh, uh, for the, 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 in, in some culture, you know, the young people don't have important things to say and they mm-hmm. need to listen. But for me, it was a it was a, a good opportunity to challenge, you know, the leaders there. Yeah. Uh, and, and we had a great conversation. So, so my hope it, is that, um, you know, the, the, the younger generation will be empowered to take to take leader, yeah. leadership. And, and I like to see, you know, all of our churches in the Reformed Church in America to really represent the kingdom of God. You know, people from every nation, tongue. Uh, being worshiping worshiping the Lord together and like to see some African American leaders, you know, being the leaders of multi-ethnic churches. You you bring up two things. One, the multi-ethnic uh leading multi-ethnic churches and uh two uh, this uh, the the younger generation, millennials, Gen Z, and so uh, with with the generation piece, one of the things I, I find is that uh, no matter whatever racial ethnic group it is, uh, young people are just despondent with the church. Whether it's uh, uh, young white millennials, Gen Zs, whether yeah. it's African American, Latino, Asian, they're they're just despondent uh, with the church. And so, just in general, how how can churches, uh, pastors that are listening uh, right now? to you how can how can churches make room for young people to then step in um, to express their gifts um, and how can the church come alongside those young people uh, to support them in in expressing those gifts so that there isn't this big gulf and gap uh, so that you know at the end of a church's life uh, it's not scrambling around trying to find young people because they didn't develop them along the way Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. That's a great question, Pete. I, uh, you know, in my, in my leadership development classes, I always say, how do you, how do you develop a leader? And that's an important question. Mm-hmm. So how do you develop a leader? So if we want to see younger people, you know, taking leadership, we really need to empower and we need to be intentional in developing leaders. But the question is, how, how do you do that? How do you mm-hmm. develop a leader? And, and I, I used to teach the 10, 20, 70 principle, mm. you know, 10, 20, yes. 70. All right. Principle. Y'all listen here. He's about to drop a nugget. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I used to say, you know, with, with churches and pastors, and I'm a pastor myself, you know, mm. I'm a, I'm a church planter myself. You know, I, 
I I really love to develop leaders. You know, so in in my church, I I did two things. One, I preached the gospel and I developed leaders, mm-hmm. and then everybody else did everything else that the church that the church needed. So mm-hmm. so for example, you know, pastoral calling, visitation. I had a team doing all of that. So I, yeah. I focused on two things. One, I preached the gospel because I am the I was the main pastor of the church, and secondly. Yeah. I invested time in equipping leaders, so I did those two things. Mm-hmm. So, so the question about how do you how do you develop a leader, especially a young leader? Yeah. Well, the the this the, the the 10, 20, 70 principle. So, ten percent of developing a leader, it's about resources. Mm-hmm. So, it's about a book, a class, mm-hmm. but that's just a ten percent. Yeah. You know, of of the whole work of developing a leader. Some churches, they don't do anything else. They just have, there is a class for leadership development. There is a book, read this book, mm-hmm. and they think that that's done. Right. You develop a leader with just, with just inviting a leader to a class or, yeah. or just, you know, uh, uh, inviting a leader to hear a podcast like the one that we're, that we're, lead, that we're working on today. Is you know, all of these are really, all of these resources are really important. You know, podcasts and books and, mm-hmm. and, and, and webinars and all of those are amazing, are great. Please continue to do those. And, and we're doing this because we believe that this is important. But this is just the 10% of developing a leader. Yeah. So then the, the, then you add the, the other 20%. So, so 10% is resources. Mm-hmm. 20% is you know uh, um encouragement coaching so mm-hmm. you walk alongside somebody you, you not only invite this person to read a book or to you know to listen to a podcast or to attend a webinar but you start walking alongside this person this is discipleship yeah you know uh, uh inviting those young leaders and inviting those people to you know, to to a relationship. Relationships are really crucial. Yeah. Why young people, you know, are leaving the church? And and you're right, Pete. It's not only the African American. It's not only white kids. It's not only Latino kids. Most of the kids leave the church because you know nobody's walk. Nobody's paying attention to them. Right. It's like they right. have nothing. It's like it's like they have nothing to offer. Right. Uh, but but we have to really be intentional. So so the twenty percent of developing a leader has to be with coaching, empowerment, listening to them, mm-hmm. you know, being with them, you know, uh, uh, being being interested in what's what's happening in their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a that's a twenty percent, and then the big chunk, the seventy percent of the other. The, this is the this is the, the 10, 20, 70 percent. Yeah. The big chance is. Uh, to give young people opportunities to lead. So mm. we need to ask the question, what kind of opportunities are we giving our young people to take mm-hmm. leadership? Mm-hmm. Uh, do we believe that a young leader can be an elder in the church? Right. You know, right. it's like right. sometimes when, when 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 we think of elder, you know, uh, we think of people that are like me, you yep. know? Yeah, we, like, we think the word elder means old. Exactly, <laughs> we think elder means old. So, so you it, you will find very few deacons in the church that are in the in their teens. Mm-hmm. It'd be amazing to have a deacon that is nineteen years old. Mm-hmm. It'll be great to have to see how this deacon will think about. You know, the deacons usually in church, 
help with, you know, the the the, the needs and, and yep. finance. It'd be amazing to have to have a 19-year-old deacon, you know, make the call on how we're going yeah. to support those people in need in the congregation. You know, that's uh, a, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it just made me think, you know, deacons, you know, a role of a deacon is to meet the needs of, of those that are uh, in the church with, you know, care and, you know, things like that. And and one of the things that in the research that they found was that young people have left the church because they felt like the church was not meeting the needs in the community. Uh, and so if young people had an opportunity to be a deacon and to serve in that role of meeting needs. It might even like, uh, again, meet that, that, that itch that they have for justice work around feeding the hungry and being amongst the homeless and doing, you know, voter education, right. Or, or just meeting practical needs of people that are in need in the community and in the church. Exactly. And, and you will be surprised to see, you know, young deacons making that call. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and our job is, you know, and, and maybe they will come with ideas that are like crazy. They say, right. you know, right. we've never done that. Right. But that's a good opportunity to empower. This is mm-hmm. what I call the opportunities to lead. Yeah. You know, kids, you know, and, and young people say, why why do I want to be part of a church where I they just see me, you know, as part of the youth group? Mm-hmm. I, I, I need a bigger challenge than that. Yeah. I, I, need, yeah. I, I need to be, you know, I need to be part of the center you know, of the work mm-hmm. of the church mm-hmm. and, and the work of the of the ministry. And you'll be surprised to see yeah. the, the ideas of, of young of young people, you know, if, when, when they are empowered and, 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 and you know, uh, 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 supported to, to, yeah. to, to take the leadership. Yeah. You know, having young elders, you know, deciding, you know, the, the future of the church. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. amazing to see to see a, a young person Elder doesn't mean that everybody needs to have a white hair, you know, right, or, or right. be a grandpa or grandma. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, I, we celebrate the work of, of, of those people that like, like, like me, you know, mm-hmm. that have been around and in ministry, praise the Lord. But also we need to pay attention to those, to those, uh, to the, to the younger generation. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's so crazy because within the context and the history of the black church, uh, young people uh, during the civil rights movement were the ones who were leading, you know, those movements and and organizing, you know, around different things uh, during that time. So even Dr. King, when he first stepped on the scene, he was 20, like 23, 25 years old leading. Yeah. Um, exactly. When you look at a lot of the um, the marches and the uh, the sit-ins and things like that, those were those were middle school and high school kids uh, that were uh, leading uh, these movements. And so uh, it seems to me if we if we would just look back at uh, what has been, it could inform of what could be, uh, you know, for the future, especially within the context of of the black church. And so um, so ten. 10 resources, 20 coaching and relationship, 70 opportunities to lead. That That's a nugget. We can end the podcast now, all right? <laughs> that was a nugget. That was a nugget. As a pastor, I always had that in my mind. So yeah, yeah. The question is, what kind of opportunities of to for leadership I'm, I'm giving young people? That's right. And, and we have to be, we have to be willing to, 
you know, uh, uh, to to see them fail in some areas. Mm -hmm. So so failure is not fatal. You know, failures yeah. are opportunities to to grow for growth. That's right. And, and it's That's okay, right. You know, in in leadership, you know, how many mistakes have we made in 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 our life? If I right. start counting my own mistakes, he's like, okay, yeah. <laughs> this is just this is just normal. This is part yeah. of the process part of, of life. Process. Yeah. Part of the process of life. So we shouldn't be too afraid about that. But but those those opportunities for leadership, like like what you're mentioning, uh, uh, Pete, you know, with with Dr. King and and many of those young leaders that really made a huge impact you know mm-hmm. in, in 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 life and in the history so i i, I think uh, uh, this is the opportunity that, that we need to give to young people so so mm-hmm. so my hope you know for the for the church and for the black church in in the reformed church in america that we will come to that point to see younger you know the, the younger generation taking taking the lead yeah because, yeah because i i think that would be that would be great A couple of months ago, uh, you had an opportunity to establish a new office. Um, and this office is called the Office of Advocacy and Race Relations. Um, and you see it as an important uh, as an important aspect uh, of your office uh, of yes. doing the work in the RCA. Can you can you uh, tell us uh, about why that office was established and why you think it's so important? Um, and how it could uh, even have an impact in the work that we do with uh, Black churches and racial ethnic churches um, in the future. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Thank you for 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 naming that, Pete. Um, you know, we have always say, and, and and when I say we, I'm I'm, I'm referring to the Reformed Church in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have been, oh, we have always say that uh, we want to become a denomination free from racism. Mm. You know, our general synod statements. You can you can see some of the general synod statements even even before I became general secretary. Yeah, I, I became general secretary only three and a half years ago, but but we have been saying this for decades. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did not have uh, a specific office to really help us do that. Yeah. You know, because, you know, we, we can say a lot of things, you know, and, and we can write a, a, a lot of statements. But I, I think intentionality is important. You have to be intentional about the things that you really want to see. So so we did not have a, a, a specific office working, you know, in that direction. And, uh, and, and for me, it's important. Again, I, I'm a racial ethnic leader myself. Mm-hmm. So, so, so for me, you know, um, becoming a, a denomination free from racism is a high priority. Yeah. It is, it is, it is really important. And also, given the the reality that we're seeing also in 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 the U.S., especially, you know, with those racial tensions. Uh, um, so, so it was it was it was the time for us. To really do that, to really help the church, and when I say help the church, I'm I'm I'm, I'm saying you know help the Reformed Church in America mm-hmm. congregations to really pay attention to to the importance, you know, of 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 the of, of racial reconciliation. Yes. So I I see you know the Black Church in the RCA helping us, helping all of the churches in the Reformed Church 
to really pay attention to to that because you know you know the the, the racial tensions are a reality mm-hmm. you know and um, and when we talk about becoming a, a denomination free free from racism I think we need to be intentional about about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that's why I, I, you know, I, I invited, you know, you and some of the other leaders to really help us uh, with that and and help us to take the lead on on this because you know, um, you know, racial tensions are a reality in, mm-hmm. in the U.S. and and mm-hmm. uh, and even though we're we're a, a, a binational denomination, you know, we mm-hmm. have churches in Canada and in the U.S. Uh, the 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 United States context is um, is where we most of our churches are, right. and it's where most of of these racial tensions happen. So so my my dream, my prayer, my hope is that we will actually become uh, a denomination that is free from racism. That's mm-hmm. that's my hope. We have a long way to, ways to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, and this office, my my prayer and my hope is that this office will will help us to get to get where we need to go. So it's still still you know we have to you know we have to work hard, right. uh, but we we have to be intentional. So so the the the, the fact that I, I invited you know to 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 get this office in place. You know, to to do um, to, to to help us, you know, in that area. I think I think that's that's important. And and, uh, and 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 I pray. You know, my prayer is that we will actually become a, a denomination free from racism. Yeah, that's good. That's good. As we think about uh, the churches uh, within the RCA, the black churches in the RCA that need to be strengthened, uh, and then churches that we want to birth that are new. Um, the dynamics of the communities that most of the churches are in are multi-ethnic communities, and most of them are black and brown communities. Uh, and, and so how how can, what, what are some advice you can give to young leaders, to current leaders that want to plant or birth new churches and those that um, are already have an established church and trying to figure out how to pivot and, you know, reimagine itself uh, post-COVID? Um, in the context of a of a diverse community, what would be some advice for for those uh, African American Black leaders to begin uh, even thinking towards multi ethnic uh, church, whether it's multi ethnic church planting or or uh, or their current church becoming more multi ethnic and reflecting the neighborhood in which they're they're in. That's a great question, Pete. You know, when I was a pastor in LA. I was, um, you know, I, 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 I work, I did ministry with a team of pastors. So we had a, I was not the senior pastor. Mm-hmm. I was a pastor of church planting and Hispanic ministry. So that was, that was the focus of my work. Yeah. Uh, church planting and Hispanic ministries. And, uh, and we, we planted churches, you know, from uh Paramount, California, looking into into Los Angeles. So, mm-hmm. so we were focusing on the city, on the city of LA, mm-hmm. and, um, and 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 our church was a, a multi ethnic church. Mm-hmm. So we had uh, five services in English. We have two services in Spanish and one in Nepali. So every Sunday, uh. we have uh, a little over two thousand people coming to church. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and and because you know we were in the city, so we didn't have a, a huge mega space so that everybody could be together. Yeah. But but we have one one of the services was led by our African American African American pastor. And uh and would that be Larry Dove? Pastor Larry, Larry Dove? Yeah. Larry. Larry Dove was was leading the 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 noon service and the noon mm-hmm. service was was a multi-ethnic service. So we had African Americans, we have Asians, we have mm-hmm. uh, uh, Latinos, we have uh, uh, Caucasian people coming to that to that service. We had it was a, an urban gospel kind yeah. of worship. It was it was amazing to see to see that. Uh, and 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 uh, and Larry did a did a really good job. I think that um, you know an advice would be to be intentional. Mm-hmm. So, so the, the work of the gospel really make, needs to take precedence rather than uh, uh, to be a, 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 an ethnicity. Mm-hmm. So, so we were intentional about inviting and and people from from every every nation. You know, the, the, the worship team intentionally included people that look different. Yep. Uh, um, so, so, so I would say that intentionality is important, you know, uh, for, for the leaders, mm-hmm. you, you know, again, you know, the empowerment that I was talking about before, mm-hmm. I think that's, a, that's, a, that's a really key for the, for the, for the, you know, for the future. And, yeah. and, and my, my, you know, my goal, my hope is that, uh, uh, we will see some, some of our you know, many, if not all of our, you know, African-American churches to really, you know, do an important work in, in, in their communities. Because I, I agree with you, you know, uh, uh, the communities, you will not find a a just black community. Mm -hmm. You know, you'll, you'll find people from different, different ethnicities Mm -hmm. uh, uh, being there. So, 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 so the church of Jesus Christ needs to be, you know, for everyone in the community. Yeah. And that's 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 what we need to we need to focus on as we continue to do ministry together. All right. So uh, as we uh, get ready to end, I'm I'm starting to end my podcast with recommendations. And so, uh, what books? What book are you reading? Uh, what are you watching? And what do you do to to rest? Those are the last three questions. Uh, uh, a book. What is a book you would recommend for for a leader? Um, uh, or, or what is a book that you're currently reading? I know you're in school, so it's probably like a thousand <laughs> books. <laughs> uh, what are you currently watching, and how do you how do you rest? <laughs> That's great. So I can recommend a lot of books for my you know for my PhD studies, but they will not be too fun, you know. <laughs> I'm writing on intertextuality, so but I I will not go there. Okay. okay. But there's a book that I am reading with my leaders, and and I think that's that's really important. This is a book with my team, you know, mm-hmm. the, the the people that are close to me, yeah. And uh, and it, it's a great book by by Ruth Haley Barton. Mm-hmm. His name Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership. Mm-hmm. Strengthening yeah. the Soul of Your Leadership, and, and I think this 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 resource is so important because you know. So, so many times leaders, you know, are focused on, on the things that they need to do. They are focused on strategies, their mm-hmm. goals, and they spend time, 
you know, doing that. And many times, you know, we forget the importance of our soul. Mm-hmm. You know, so so I, I I would say, you know, strengthening the soul of your leadership, I think that will be an important resource for any leader. I am reading that right now with my you know, with my leadership team mm-hmm. and um, and Ruth Haley Barton, she is great. Yeah, you know, she, she talks about that. The other question that you asked, Pete, what am I doing, you know, for my soul? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I am intentionally taking what I call focus days, uh, you know, in the month. Mm-hmm. So we have, we have four weeks in the month. So I, I try to take at least one focus day a week. Yeah. So the focus day are those things that I said, okay, I have a lot of things to do. I I have a lot of emails to respond. I have a a lot of things that I need to, you know, to work on. Uh But I just need one day to focus. Focus focus on my soul. Focus on hearing the voice of the spirit. Because so many times, you know, you can be busy, busy, busy doing a lot of things. And you end up doing things that this Holy Spirit is not asking you to do. Mm-hmm. So, so these focus days uh, for me are, uh, have been really, really important. Um, you know, a year ago, I, I used to go to a retreat center. Mm-hmm. Uh, I cannot do that anymore regularly. Mm-hmm. I try to do that every quarter. Mm-hmm. But these focus days are, are, are days that I said, okay, I have a lot of things to do, but I, I'm not going to focus on that. Yep. I'm going to focus on, you know, on my soul. I want to hear the voice of the spirit. I want to, I want to hear the voice of God. You know, I, as you said, you know, in my, in my studies, I'm, I'm, I'm writing a dissertation on the gospel of John, mm-hmm. but, but I, those focus days are, are the days that I, I don't focus on that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't do any writing. I don't do. I just. I just want to be close with the spirit. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I, I would encourage you and 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 your listeners, you know, to really to really think about that. Yeah. Um, so to really think about those those days that are that are really important, where you put a pause to everything you're doing and and say, you know, at least a half a day if you mm-hmm. can do that. You know, one afternoon or one morning, I, I try to do a full day because that 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 really, I cannot do that every week. But at right. least I try to do twice a month. Yeah, you know, yeah. those those focus days. Yeah. Well, thank you so much uh, for uh, your time and your wisdom uh, in sharing uh, just insight and and your uh, thoughts towards uh, the Black Church. Um, within North America and specifically uh, within the RCA. Uh, this is our General Secretary, Reverend Eddie Alleman. Thanks a lot, Pete, for, for, this, uh, for inviting me to have this conversation. I continue to pray for our African-American leaders in the RCA. We have an awesome group of, of, of leaders mm-hmm. leading the way. And I'm so, so glad that, uh, that, that you guys are really part of the, of this movement and, and, and thank you for, thank you for what you're doing with, with the church. Thank you. This is the Black Church Still Speaks. Hey fam, we're excited that you were able to listen to our General Secretary, Reverend Eddie Alleman. 
on the Black Church Still Speaks podcast. My name is Reverend Peter Watts, and I am happy to have been your host for the Black Church Still Speaks as we wrap up our second season. Can you believe it? Our second season of the Black Church Still Speaks. And so we are excited about what God is doing with this podcast and its reach. We're excited about all of the guests that have been a part of the work that we've been doing around focusing and centering the voices of Black people within the RCA and abroad. Uh, And we are looking forward to next season as we get more into Reformed theology in the Black church. And so join us next season in the fall as we launch and start again our podcast of the Black Church Still Speaks. I want to thank our executive producer uh, and our music and podcast engineer. I want to thank all of you who support and listen to our podcast every month. Again, my name is Reverend Peter Watts. I am your host of the Black Church Still Speaks podcasts, and we'll see you next season. Peace.